Welcome back to another episode of the Official Podcast. Fun episode for you today. Chris, how's it going over there by you? Going good over here. Just a little cold. Uh, apparently, uh, Mother Nature was liking to give us a nice warm day before it hits us back in the face with some cold, cold temps. But uh, it looks like the rest of this week should be starting to warm up. But yeah, otherwise, we're doing good over here. May is underway, Chris. Full month of baseball ahead of us as teams are starting to shape into form. Offenses are putting up big numbers on the board. The Yankees can't win. Mariners can't win. Things are going great here for both of us, both of our teams. Yankees fall again. Sorry, Yankees fans, and obviously for myself, Yankees fall 3-2 to two, the Cleveland Guardians. Aaron Boone makes a intriguing decision, and it seemed to have pretty bad repercussions as he takes out Domingo Herman, who went eight and a third and allowed one base runner before the, he brought on Clay Holmes to close it out. He put on two more runners, then gave up a RBI, two RBI single, and Zanino walks to bring in the tie-breaking run, 3-2. Yankees can't score on the bottom of the ninth. Yankees fall 3-2. On to tomorrow, where we will see Garrett Cole. I'm actually thinking about going Wednesday, Chris. Um, nice. Hoping to go to the stadium. But, Chris, how about those Mariners? Tell me about them. Yeah, they uh, decided to drop another series, this one in Toronto. Um, and they almost almost got close to giving the Blue Jays a sweep, but they were able to battle back and um, on Sunday and come away with a win. And I would say you, you had two candidates in that game that would be up for MVP, and that would be Cal Raleigh, their catcher, who hit the game-winning two-run home run in the top of the 10th inning. Or you could also say it was the recent promotion of Taylor Trammell, who hit a grand slam, and I believe it was his first at bat this season. Yeah, um, basically put the M's up for nothing, and then Marco Gonzalez couldn't, you know, hold the lead. And granted, he wasn't pitching the greatest, but he got no help from Sam Haggerty, who was filling in for Ty France at first base, who committed a couple bad plays there, and uh, unfortunately cost him some runs, but. Taylor Trammell was also able in the bottom of the ninth to make what would have been probably the game-winning play and going into foul territory on the left field line to make a catch that saved saved a run from scoring from the Blue Jays walking it off. But um, So, yeah, I would say take your pick between Taylor Trammell's game-saving catch and his grand slam or Cal Raleigh hitting the two-run shot in the top of the 10th, which would give the M's the final 10-8 to eight lead. But um, they're off today. They're going to pick it up tomorrow. There is some good news, though. Bryce Miller, their number two-ranked prospect, is getting the call up, Ooh, and he will news. start against Oakland. So if you're playing start. fancy baseball and you need a good pitcher to go this week, I would recommend him. He's, you know, We'll see what he can do. He's going against a fairly weak lineup, so that should help him. He hasn't had the best, best season so far in, in the minors, but he's going to – coming off his best start. So hopefully that will give him some momentum. And then also the weak Oakland A's can also help him out and have him having a nice debut. I'm, I'm pretty interested in drinking some, uh, some Miller, some Bryce Miller uh, potion over here. Hopefully okay. maybe help on my rotation. Fantasy wise, it's actually been over my rotor baller. Uh, fantasy league. I'm actually in 10th. It's, 
a lot of money bet on the line. So kind of get a, get a little more points on the board. So maybe I'll uh, drink some of that Bryce Miller Kool-Aid, get some points on the board facing an Oakland A's offense that mm-hmm. is pretty much at the bottom of the league across the boards and pretty much of a sorry offensive stat. Sorry, Oakland fans, but things aren't going right for you guys. But on a more important note, we got some big, exciting news for you guys. I'm sure you saw last week, Drew Maggi of the Pittsburgh Pirates, 33 years old, hasn't played a game in the major leagues, gets his first MLB hit. Let's check it out. As you could see from the video, Drew Maggi records his first hit as a Pittsburgh buyer in history. Actually, he just got sent down, but that's definitely an iconic moment for him. Definitely going to go in uh, up in his collection and his memorabilia that from all the moments that he's made in his career. But Drew Maggi, 33-year-old minor leaguer that barely that spent his entire career in the minor leagues, gets the call. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, first off, he's four years younger than me, but he looks like 10 years older than me. <laughs> uh, this dude is not aging well. But, I mean, good for him. And not only was it not, like, just a hit that was like, oh, it's a fluke hit or, you know, you know, you got you got a bad pitch. Like, he hit that ball back up the middle, and it was solid. It was a solid contact, solid hit. Congratulations to Drew Maggi on that. Um, and, I mean, just the hard work that he's put in to reach this level. He was originally drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks back in 2008 in the 47th round, um, coming out of high school, uh, Brophy College Preparatory, actually in Phoenix, Arizona. So it was a bit of a local pick for the Diamondbacks, but um, he obviously didn't sign with them. He went back to college where he went to Arizona State. So again, staying in that state of Arizona and was selected in the 15th round in 2010 by the Pittsburgh Pirates. So um, yeah, he's been the Myers. You know, he's obviously done what he needed to do to get up there. Uh, I We'll see if he can get another call back up with uh, Pittsburgh, but if not, that is a special moment for him. Um, I can't exactly imagine what it would be like to get your major league hit. And, you know, if that was, if that was the last time you ever got to step foot on a major league diamond, I think that would be a pretty spectacular way to go out. And I think for older players especially the permanent triple layers like the guys who are good enough to play triple a ball but don't haven't didn't really find their footing in pro ball i think for those type of players like older guys it's obviously a big moment once get called up especially at that age but if you're a younger player and you know you've been you've been highly tied highly tied all your life you got everything going for you you know you you you're flying through the system it, you, I think players sort of take, take it for granted by the time they're a month in. You know, obviously the the, the first moment when you get called up, the first game is obviously an exciting moment. But even after a couple of weeks, you take it for granted that, you know, you're a major leaguer now and that's where you belong. But then you have to realize that there are still players that are stuck in the, in the minor leagues that have worked just as hard as you 
but just haven't found their footing in the big leagues and that's not where they belong. But I think it's just, it's just a cool moment for Maggi because like you're talking about Chris, it's a big moment. He's younger than you. And like you said, he has the aging. Well, maybe he should uh, find some, some I sort can... of skin. Uh, what's the word? <laughs> I, I can give <laughs> some, some tips on how, how to look younger. And I mean, you should, him. you look pretty young, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Drew, if you're, if you listen to this, give me a call, man, I'll help you out. You know, we'll, we'll get you looking, turning back the clock there. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I got an email from uh I don't know what are the skin uh the skin Neutrogena? what's the word no what's the called the the stuff that I use for your skin the uh, skincare some sort of skincare okay. email I probably can forward it to you <laughs> so Maggie let's get going get your skincare going but on a more important note today marks the second edition of our replacement level players actually we got a mix for you guys mix a little mix up today for your guys today will be two players uh one pitcher and one starter so let's get into it so for my pitcher uh just, i'm gonna be mixing things up usually chris we usually start off with the hitter but i'm actually gonna start off with the pitcher so for me the hitter so the pitcher sorry was julio urias and no. you ask why? Why? Julio Urias has been replacement level. He's allowed 13 runs over the past three starts. Although, I did, but I did tweet this out earlier yesterday. I don't know if you saw. Uh, one of my uh, buddies, not buddy, but he actually, so one of the fantasy managers, I saw someone on Twitter reach out to me asking about Julio Urias. This is what I told him. I told him Urias has allowed 13 runs over the past three starts. He's faced two. We, by the way, another thing, he actually has faced two of the hottest lineups in baseball this season. He's faced the Pirates and he's faced the Cubs twice. Again, the Pirates, just to reiterate, the Cubs have a 114 WRC plus, and he gave up six runs to the Pirates over five and a half and third innings, two thirds of innings. That was on April 27th. Then he faced the Cubs over a five day, over uh, between a five day break. The 21st and the 16th, he gave up seven combined runs over nine innings to the Cubs. The Cubs have a 117 WRC plus. So it's obviously inexcusable that he couldn't match the streaking Cubs and Pirates lineups who can't seem to stop hitting. But at the same time, Urias definitely struggled. And people were talking about that that maybe Urias's velocity has decreased and maybe he's dipped a little bit by I checked on baseball seven baseball savant and that's actually not the case uh his fastball clocks in at 92.6 pretty sure where last year was 93.1 so not that big of a disparity from last year so I don't think it's that, such a big concern that his velocity is dipped it's obviously a little a little drop but I don't think that's what's causing him to struggle but Chris Julio Urias is my replacement level pitcher. Hit me with your pitcher before I get to my hitter. Yeah, so I'm going to go on the opposite side there. You started with the starter. I'm going to go with the closer. And going down to the Dirty South Atlanta Braves, A.J. Minter. Uh, over the last two weeks, he pitched four and two-thirds innings. He got two saves, which, you know, are really good. Gave up one home run, only walked one, struck out eight. Now, here's where we get problematic. 
We had a 19.29 ERA in the last two weeks, 2.36 whip. Like our place uh, level. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, while we start off looking good at four innings, two saves, only one walk, everything like that, it gets ugly in a hurry. So this guy has gotten rocked. Uh, I did also hit up Baseball Savant, kind of coincidental, too. Uh, his barrel percentage this year is 8.3 for opposing batters. Normally, it's at 5.2. So hitters are squaring him up a little bit more frequently than they have been. Um, looking at his barrel percentage per plate appearance, this year is at 5.6. Normally, that's a 3.2. So, again, hitters are being able to hit on him this year. Um, he should get that figured out here and kind of get back to what he's been able to do. Uh, tonight, he was able to earn a save. It wasn't pretty. He gave up a home run. So, he did strike out another batter, and it looks like he'll be slotting out of the closer's role as Rossiel Iglesias should be returning here in the next week or so. Um, that's the latest report on on Iglesias as well. But um, for those who were maybe hoping or even for mentor's sake of looking to lock down the closer's role this season, it looks like he had a shot. Didn't go too well, and so he'll be moved back into a setup role, probably in the eighth inning where he's excelled at, and you know that should just only only strengthen that Braves bullpen. But now, if we're gonna move over to the hitter side, I'm gonna keep it on my Mariners, and there's one hitter in particular. And this week, or this week's episode, it's gonna be Ty France, the starting first baseman. Over the last two weeks, he's gone four for 38. Scored two runs, hit two doubles, drove in four, walked twice, struck out eight, but unfortunately only has an average of 105 at OPS of 344. Um, not really doing Ty France type of things right now. He's in a slump, um, and it's kind of been well noted for those that have been following the errors that France has been in a slump. Also apparently dealing with a little bit of illness. That's why he was sat out Sunday as well. But um, something else that I caught my eye was that his first pitch swing percentage this season is at 18.6. Normally, that's almost doubled at 31.7. Um, so he's not kind of being aggressive in, in the beginning of accounts or anything like that, which I imagine that's probably playing into a little bit of a slump. Uh, he's also been taking a few more pitches in the zone um, than, than is normal in his career. But Ty France, I'm not too worried about it. He kind of did this last year. We got off to a quick, fast, hot start, and they kind of slumped, and then he figured it out again and was fine for the rest of the year until he got injured. So um, if history is going to repeat itself, I wouldn't be too worried. France will write the shit. Hopefully this year he does not sustain an injury that uh, will linger in and affect him at the end of the year. But Rafal, who is your replacement level hitter? So this is this is actually an interesting one. So my personal level hitter goes to none other than Jose Abreu of the Houston Astros. Definitely not an easy pick for me because I do love Jose because uh, he's just a hitting machine. He's a beast. Mm -hmm. but over the past 15 games, Jose Abreu is hitting 12 for 58 and 207 batting average with a 220 and 241 OPB and slug. So this is not the Jose Abreu that we've seen. And I actually saw uh, a cool stat. Um, he's obviously got that 549 OPS on uh, this year, but he's gone 180 at bats. I think it's 189 plate appearances, um, but he's got 180 at bats without a home run. That's not something you give Jose Abreu. And this year, he's actually hitting 206 with running scoring position, 
And last year, he had 268 with running scoring position. So we see that he's not coming through. He's not capitalizing with running scoring position. He's Today, he actually did have a RBI single. But other than that, he really hasn't been productive with running scoring position. He's not getting to the ball. He's not creating the loud contact. that, And he's not hitting cons- consistent contact. So, But for Abreu fans and for those who took some stock on Abreu this year. Just to give you some uh, encouragement to keep on a team, I just want to give you guys some stats. Last year, in the months of May, in the past two seasons, and last year he had a 130 WSU Plus in the month of May, and in 2021 he actually had a 180 WSU Plus. So that kind of proves that maybe we could see a rebound because of his performance in the month of May of the past couple of seasons. He's obviously gotten to a slow start. I uh, don't want him to. I definitely don't want him to panic button just yet. But for the reasons that I just gave and provided, I think that there's enough to have some concern. With some concern over his, you know, the quality of his at bats and the contact that he's producing. But I think if he if he starts to pick things up, and hopefully we'll have a good week. Maybe he can quickly turn around, turn things around, and hopefully get on the right track. So today's topic is similar to last week. Uh, last week was underperforming teams. But uh, this year, actually, we are going to discuss underperforming rotations. And I, I definitely think that, that, that that's a fun topic to discuss because rotations can be volatile from year from year. Typically, bullpens are more volatile, and they're typically the – the one part and the, the the one section of, or I mean, it, mostly uh, the one part of a full roster and really just of any team that is the most volatile. But rotations can be volatile as well because there are some pitchers that we're going to name that are not on, gonna have not gone off on the right foot and they've been struggling since the beginning of the season. And we're going to go through, we're just going to give our five underperforming rotations. So I'm going to go. Uh, Chris, I'm going to hit you with my number five going back to one. My fifth underperforming rotation in 2021 goes to the Toronto Blue Jays. The ace, Alec Manoa, 4.88 ERA, did dominate my Yankees when I actually went out to Yankee Stadium. I went to three games uh, already. Hopefully to go to my fourth on Wednesday. But Manoa did dominate my Yankees when I went two weeks ago. Uh, he's really struggled though. 4.88 ERA. Second, Gosman has been Gosman been doing his uh this stuff. 2.33 ERA. Definitely not the issue here. We got Bassett, 5.18 ERA. Barrios, 4.71. Finally, Kikuchi, three. So you got two guys, one towards the top, and Kikuchi obviously as the fifth man. Those guys are doing quite well for themselves, but it's Manoa, Bass, and Barrios that I'm definitely concerned about. Um, Manoa's sort of getting on track because oh, his past few starts have definitely been promising. Gosman's been Gosman. Bassett is where things get a little tricky uh, because he's really gotten off on the right foot and we haven't seen much success for him really since the year started. But Barrios is it's, – it's tricky with Barrios because we know him as the guy who had the high – probably the highest year in baseball last year in over the past two seasons, but 
we can't forget that he was quite a dominant a dominant pitcher when in Minnesota, and he was one of the best pitchers in Minnesota uh, before he came to Toronto. But he's really looked good in his past three starts. Past three starts, he, he's faced the Rays, the best team in baseball, the Astros, and the Red Sox. Over those three starts, he's actually he struck out twenty eight batters while allowing just three runs, and he actually did just have a very impressive start. I think it was against the White Sox, where he went, I think it was seven innings, didn't allow a run. So Barrios is definitely showing some signs and maybe even a, a reinvigorate of Barrios and a reemergence of Barrios, maybe, from his years in, in, in Minnesota. But the Blue Jays are definitely not on the right on the spectrum that I thought they would be on in terms of the rotation. Um, I obviously don't want them to uh, go on the right path because I'm a Yankees fan. So need my Yankees to beat up on Bruzy's pitching. But as of now, the Bruzy's pitching needs to write a chip. Yeah, they, they do. Um, but you know, long season, long season. So my number five is going to be the Cleveland guardians. Um, they have, for a team that pretty much is all about pitching and defense and their, their hitters are there to work counts and drive up pitch counts for opposing ABs. They really need their pitching to come through and be a big, big support for them. And it hasn't so far currently on the year, they are 16th worst in runs allowed per game. They're 18th worst in ERA, 17th worst in run along with the earned runs, they're 26th worst in strikeouts, and then they're 20th worst in FIP, and then the 14th worst in WHIP. So they've got a lot of work to do if they want to turn that thing around. And really, their their main guys like Shane Bieber is doing what he does best. Um, Tyler, they've gotten some nice contributions from some of their younger pitchers, like Tanner Beebe came up, had a good outing. Logan Allen had a good outing as well. Um, but then they've also had some really poor pitcher performances like Zach Plesek, who's kind of hoped to be thought of in the rotation for a while. He's got a 7.59 ERA right now. His whip is almost a two. It's 1.97. Um, he's looking like a guy that may end up just in the bullpen and kind of be a career bullpen guy, maybe the long reliever, but um, you know, Cal Quantrill, who's, you know, had some family history in the major leagues as well. He's also got a 540 ERA. And then not to be outdone, we've got Hunter Gaddis, who, you know, has a 6.86 ERA. So they're, they're bigger guys like Shane Bieber is doing what he does best, but they really need the rest of the rotation to kind of step up and carry and help out. Um, they, they will get Tristan McKenzie back some point this year, which will also help out. But um, if the guardians are planning on taking the division from the twins, they're going to need much better performance from their starting pitchers. They've got a good bullpen in place. So that is a nice plus, but they, they can't be relying on just Bieber and the bullpen to get them through games. And I think that they're going to need some extra help from the rest of their guys in the rotation. Um, but moving on to my number four team, we're going to go out west. We're going to head out to San Diego, to the Padres. Um, another team, I mean, overall, they've kind of been underperforming. 
Um, they've got, again, 13th worst runs allowed per game, the 10th worst ERA, 12th worst in runs, 8th worst in ERA or in earned runs, the 19th worst strikeouts, 7th worst FIP, and 8th worst whip as well. So, again, another team that's got some work to be done, especially considering they have aspirations of not just getting the playoffs, but winning World Series. Um, you know, they got Fernando Tatis back, which is a nice boost for the offense, but from a pitching standpoint, you Darvish, you know, he's a little bit nicked up in his last last start um, or previous, not the last one, the one before that. But um, he's done OK, he's, you know, not quite what people are expecting from him. But um, Joe Musgrove is just awful right now. Um, a 1080 ERA. There's only um, been no, two starts. Yeah. I mean, it is. he's coming back from an injury. So, you know, there is you know, a little bit like, hey, just give him a little bit of time in there. But still, that's not exactly what, you know, people were expecting, especially when he's given up four home runs in those two starts as well. So um, I'm not too worried. I think he'll turn it around. Uh, just kind of unfortunate for him to help for how he's gotten off. Blake Snell's also been struggling with a 548 ERA. And then Michael Waka, it looks like his run of success or whatever you want to call it the last couple of years where he looked to be really decent as a starting pitcher has maybe you know faded out on him as he's got a 675 era but um if if the padres can kind of get that offense going i think that will help out their pitching as well um seth lugo is looking like a nice story for the padres out there um with a 3.5 er 5.8 era got three quality starts on the years only given three home runs Maybe most importantly, only walked six batters while striking out 26. So this is a guy who's kind of been in his career, mostly in the pen, got some opportunities to start, wanted to be a starter, never really got a chance. But it looks like the San Diego, they're giving him his chance, and he's rewarding him. So, Rafal, who's your number four underperforming rotation? So I actually did put the Padres as my, as my number three. Before I get to that, okay. my number four is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, it's, this is a little of a borderline pick because there are two guys who I'm about to talk about. There are two guys on rotation who have been lights out and there's no questioning their dominance. So just their rotation as a whole hasn't been that bad, but I definitely think we can see more out of them in terms of, you know, longevity and, keeping the ball out of the ballpark. So Kershaw has obviously, obviously been doing his Kersh stuff, 1.89 ERA. Obviously, Kersh doing his Kersh stuff. And Kershaw, just Clayton Kershaw. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Noah Syndergaard, kind of a reclamation project because he's really been torn up with injuries, really been derailed. You got Tommy John in 2022. No, you got Tommy John in 2020. He's dealt with uh, a few lat, uh, lat injuries. He's really been derailed uh, and kind of been torn up by injuries. And that's really impacted his uh, force seam and the velocity. It's kind of taken a toll on it a lot because uh, comparatively in – so a sinker actually in 2019 was 97.5. And this year it's 91.9. So definitely a, a big drop. Um and velocity-wise for DeGrom, I think that as far as Syndergaard, I think that's what is causing his struggles. He has a 6.32 ERA, and he was kind of a one of the bigger acquisitions 
Maybe by Dodgers offseason, kind of to bolster their rotation with Beulah after the year. But that hasn't really panned out so well as he struggled. Um, Gonsolin just got back from his ankle sprain through 3.1, three and a third of shutout innings against the streaking Pirates. And he's actually pitching against the Phils tonight. Uh, I think that game just got underway. But Gonsolin, again, another uh, bigger name for the Dodgers getting starting to get back into things. He'll probably make a put together another solid season after last year's performance. Urias, I he was my personal level player, pitcher, and he's really struggled. I gave a stats before earlier, getting that four point four one ERA, and it's really it's been ugly for Urias. Obviously, I did talk about I mentioned uh, the tough matchups he's been having in the past three games, but it's not it's obviously inexcusable. And he's just throw things around. Finally, we got uh, last two is Dustin May, who also has been derailed by injury the past couple of years, but is, his he's still turning it up and throwing some gas. Is this year's fastball averaging ninety seven? He's got that three point fifteen ERA. He's made five or six, I think, five starts. So he's still throwing gas, and he's also another guy like. Sinegars, who's kind of been thrown off by injuries, but he's, again, another guy in the Dodgers, in Dodgers rotation that really can make an impact. And once he's healthy, he, he'll make 25, 22 starts and, you know, strike out, I don't know, close to 200, maybe 150. But he's definitely someone to keep an eye on and keep healthy. And then another name just to remember is Gavin Stone, who is the fourth prospect in Dodgers Dodgers. Dodgers He's getting the call for getting called up for Wednesday. It's serious finale against the Phillies. He has a 4.74 ERA through six starts at AAA Oklahoma City. He's one of the most prominent names in the Dodgers farm system. Dodgers are one of the most, one of the better uh, farm systems in the game. Definitely have more talent that are uh, poised to make it make a splash for the next couple of years. But that is my fourth. My third, obviously, Chris, is the Padres. You kind of covered most of it all. Just a few points to add is that, obviously, you said Musgrove only made those two starts since being reinstated. Obviously, that's not where he should be. And in terms of Darvish, you obviously, you mentioned that he did struggle his past couple of starts, but that's unlikely to last because he's you Darvish and then Snell uh, not sure if you mentioned this, but he actually has a 16.5 walk rate. Well, last year I had a 9.5 walk rate. That could be why he's really struggling and he really needs to limit the base path. If he wants to keep, if he wants to limit the runs that he's allowed. And then you got, obviously you got Waka, you got Lugo. Waka is actually interesting because he made 23 starts for the Cardinals last year and actually had a 3.32 ERA, but he's allowed, he's actually allowed 33 hits, which I think I'm pretty sure that's top 30. I think I checked MLB stats as top 30 in baseball, uh, allowed by, uh, by a pitcher, not uh, all qualifying pitchers, not just starters, relievers as well. So he really needs to limit the base path, uh, the traffic, if he wants to do his 6.75 ERA. And Lugo, finally, He's made, he actually, I mean, he spent most of his time with the Mets uh, as a long reliever. Um, but he did, he does have history as a starter. Obviously, he's been transformed into a, 
a mainstay in the Padres rotation, but he's made seven starts. He made seven starts for the Mets in 2020, and he actually made 18 in his rookie year. Uh, he made, he appeared, I think he made 19 appearances. One of them was uh, out of the pen, and 18 were starts. So he does have a lot of um, experience as a starter, and I think that's definitely a good sign because that means that he has dealt with m- most situations as a starter, and that means he can, you know, he can get off the traffic jams, and he, he has a 3.55 ERA. And I think he could, he could definitely be a nice contributor down the line because, you know, the Padres are sort of limited in depth-wise, at least for the rotation. And I think Lugo can be a nice transformation project because, you know, he's, again, like I said, he spent most time in his bullpen. He's spent most of the time picking up from the starter in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, going three innings, but now he's – showing that he he has longevity and he has the arm strength, you know, to go throw six, five innings. Chris, number two. Sorry, well, number three. Yeah, let me back up my number three. Number three, we're going to stay out west. We're going to come back just a little bit east. We're going to head to Arizona uh, with the Diamondbacks. They're a team that, um, you know, it's kind of surprised people with, how, with their start on the year. And, you know, it, it looks like it, it may not hold, but, you know, we'll see. They are ninth worst in both runs allowed per game at 4.83 and then also with a 4.75 ERA. Seventh worst in runs with 140. Sixth worst in earned runs with 134. They've got a 4.71 whip, which is good enough for 10th worst. A 1.36 whip which is good enough for the 11th worst. They are the 22nd worst team in strikeouts with 234 of them on the season. And really this rotation is Zach Gallen, a little bit of Merrill Kelly, and that's it. I mean, we won't say anything more about Madison Bumgarner since he's been DFA'd, but <laughs> that dude was not helpful we at all. We had beef with him. <laughs> I mean, just he was really bad. And like it, looking at the rotation, like he, his numbers are just – eye popping like you would expect from like a young player maybe not from a veteran of his status but anyways um you know ryan nelson's got a 6.39 era with 1.52 whip he's only made two quality starts over his 31 innings zach davies is you know been limited to a couple of starts but he even knows he had a 5.79 era then we've also got tommy henry who's a recent call-up, who's got a couple starts on as well. He's got a 6.52 ERA and 1.66 walk. He's actually got more walks on the year than he does strikeouts with a 5-4 to four in those categories. So Zach Gallon is the man. Merrill Kelly's starting to round into form, or at least what he did last year. Um, but they, they do need some help. Um, and one quick note of hopeful positivity for the Diamondbacks – they just recently acquired Connor Pilkington from the Cleveland Guardians for cash considerations. So um, maybe he can help. Uh, if not, I, I would say this: he can't be any worse than some of the guys they got in, in the rotation. But, um, <laughs> you know, we'll see what the Arizona does. Um, moving on to number two is going to be, if you guys haven't, can't see it. Oh, Louis I didn't remember. That's why you wore it? Yeah, yeah. I've been talking about him. So I've oh, got a shirt. Okay. You know, I'll, I will rock it. Um, Love it. Yeah, they're pitching. I mean, we talked about them last week. They're kind of 
an overall underperforming team, but you know, pitching definitely is an area that is a big concern. 11th worst in runs allowed per game, 12th worst in ERA, 9th worst in runs, 13th worst in ER in earned runs. They do have the seventh best strikeout number in MLB, so they are you know being fearsome on the mound in terms of getting guys out for. But they unfortunately have the 15th worst whip and the or FIP, excuse me, and the fifth worst whip. And again, I mentioned it last week on the show. I really think a big issue for them is they just don't have uh, an ace on the staff. I mean, they've got some nice pitchers. Jake Flaherty's kind of coming back. Maybe he kind of had a bad start in bad start in his last one. But um, you know, they just they. They've only got two guys in the rotation with ERAs under four, and that would be Jordan Montgomery and then the aforementioned Jake Flaherty. But even him, he's got a 3.9, so he's just staying under there. But they really need to get a lot more out of the rotation. They've got only six quality starts on the year, and four of those are from Montgomery as well. So the Cardinals – plan to get back in the central it's gonna have to be through the pitching and they're gonna need some better performances from their guys um that they've got in the rotation right now or they're gonna need to go out and make a trade i don't know what they want to do they definitely have a lot of offensive depth so they could deal from that to get a frontline starter but that is a topic for another show so Rafal, who's your number two underperforming rotation so chris i'm not like you um i actually i mean i'm wearing my yankees merch today so i can't really say that i i wore one of the teams that i picked from unforming rotations but i actually i by the way i had to i had to say i when i was preparing for this episode i was actually thinking of doing cardinals and dimebacks but i was looking i was like do they really have that much firepower to put them up there because you know i, I think more i mean I, at least for me i was kind of looking at rotations that i believe should be performing better and should be performing a higher level. So for me, that was kind of number two, uh, the Phillies. And oh. I'm looking, I've, I've really, this has kind of been, I mean, I, this is kind of this is disappointing because we haven't seen, Austin Nola has been hard since the season started. Falter has been pretty bad. Tom Walker has been struggling. The only real contributors has been Matt Strom, who has pretty much has has no experience as a starter. He's only recently inherited a role as a starter. Again, he spent most of his time out of the pen for the Red Sox last season, and he's already he's already thrown 20, 23 and a third innings. And actually, three of it, he's made five starts this year, and three of them have been for five plus. So that kind of shows that he can he can pitch for five plus innings, and you know he he can provide some support before he hands the ball to the, to the bullpen. But Nola is kind of where, you know, it's it's a surprise because, again, he's the ace along with Wheeler. They're kind of the one-two punch and the frontline starters for the fills. And he did look sharp um, against the Astros his past start. He did – he struck out six over eight innings of one-run ball. That's definitely a good sign that we're kind of getting back the ace of okay, – the ace uh, version of Aaron Nola. His last year, he again last year he was dynamic and dominant, along with Wheeler, who had one of the lowest ERAs in baseball. But I think it's 
really vital that the Phillies, if they want to make a deep run, that they have their one-two punch on track. Wheeler has a 3.86 ERA. Obviously not where he should be. It's not too bad. It's still better than the rest of the staff, except for Strom. But I think that Wheeler definitely needs to take a few steps and uh, the right needs needs some polishing and definitely needs to round things out. But other than that, Falter as well has made it, made some nice contribution as well. Again, he's also a newer face to the rotation. Uh, he made only, only made 16 starts last year, which the, the rest of them were out of the pen. He's got a 5.01 ERA. Again, he's the Phillies are kind of testing out waters with Strama and Falter. They've both, Strama's obviously been the more successful as a starter, as we've seen, even though he doesn't have as much experience. But Falter is kind of where things get tricky because he does have more experience, but he's really come on the wrong foot. And I think that's kind of a sign that maybe he shouldn't be in the rotation anymore. But, and then you got Talon Walker, obviously, who came over, uh, I think, when was he? came over at the end, middle last year, right? Yeah. Taiwan Walker. No, I think he came over in the offseason. He came the offseason. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. He was he was he was with uh the Mets, right. So yep. he's also he's kind of been struggling. So overall, just not the Phillies rotation is not where it should be. And again, just to reiterate like I was saying, if the Phillies want to make a deep run, getting their rotation right is is vital because they did spend a, a good part of the offseason bolstering their bullpen. You know, they added Kimbrell, they added Gregory Soto. And, you know, they got Sorrento Dominguez. They got David Robertson. They got a lot of names over there in that, in that bullpen. But they really need to Jose, – Jose Alvarado as well. But they really need to balance things out because, you know, they – as a team and as a whole, offensively, offensively, they haven't been too bad. They, I think they're top 10 in most uh, offensive categories, but their pitching has really – held them back. And I think that's kind of where things have gone wrong for the Phillies. And that's why, you know, they're not doing as well as they should be number as the number one. And I'm hoping we both have this because this is probably the biggest disappointment and the, and no, uh, I, I don't even know how to, how to put this in perspective, but the white Sox rotation has been completely out of character. And this is really not where we've seen, you know, it, uh, in terms of the talent that they have, they should be w- way ahead of where they are in terms of, you know, just performance. And they they have <laughs> whatever they they've been com- really bad. And this is this is kind of where you know the White Sox are at rock bottom. Their White Sox are rock, bo- rock bottom right now. You know, they're one of the worst teams in the league. They were one of our uh, were, they were one of our underperforming teams last week. I think we both had them. But okay, or 5.96 ERA. The rotation has given up 28 home runs. Eight. Lance Lynn and Kopeka have both given up eight home runs each. That's that counts for 16 of 28 home runs. The rest of them, I think, Giolito, Cease had two. Giolito had four, I think, and Clemenger also had. Uh, I don't know the exact calculation. Yeah. But I think they whatever something like that. Gilio's got four home runs. Um, Cease is giving up three, and Clevenger's giving up five. Oh, yeah, there you go. Chris filling us in. Cease got that 4.15 RA. Giolito could be a potential trade bait 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if the White Sox are sellers by the time the trade deadline comes around, because if the White Sox continue on this trajectory, there's a good chance that Giolito, Clemenger, and Lynn could all be moved in exchange for some sort of prospects or some sort of uh, compensation, some sort of that. Again, back to the rotation. Lance Lynn has probably, except for Musgrove, who doesn't even qualify because he hasn't pitched enough innings. Lance Lynn has a 7.16 RA. Clemenger's got 4.60. Kopech has 7.01. So I don't know where these guys have been. Kopech and Lynn have really been struggling. And I think the White Sox, and, you know, last year they they just missed the postseason. They were in a tight race between the Guardians and the Twins, which seems to be a, a, a yearly occurrence where the AL Central is tight and there's always a tight race and always comes down to the last few games. But, you know, if the White Sox want to compete and contend for the AL Central, they really need their rotation to play a big role. And that hasn't been the case. And, you know, they need to, they need to sort things out because while they do have a disadvantage, cause they do play in guarantee rate, right field. And, and that happens to be a hitter friendly ballpark. And I think just the bigger aspect is just limiting the fly ball rates. And that's not what they've been doing. It's obviously more difficult because like I just said, they're in a hitter friendly ballpark, but I think the white Sox really need to sort things out. And Chris, Hit me with your number one, the most underperforming rotation baseball. We're going to stay in the Midwest and we're going to stay with the White Sox. I mean, they okay. are. There's, I mean, it's interesting. Of all the rotations that we talked about, they're the only one, like off the top of my head, that has only five starters for them going this season like, that have only pitched. And it's those guys you mentioned, G. Lito, Cease, Clevenger, Lynn, and Kopech. Like they haven't called up anybody else. They haven't thrown anybody else out to start being open and thing is those five guys taking the ball on the mound and <laughs> not performing. Um, they just frankly are. It's just, there's a lot of like interesting things to look at. Like their lowest e- ERA from a starter is 4.15. And that's from Seeds and Giolito. Right. Their rotation has five combined wins and eight combined quality starts. Um, they're just, did I mean, if you look at, you know, baseball reference and you look at rotations and their pitching and everything like that, they have the second worst in like a bunch of categories, like runs a lot per game, ERA, runs, earned runs, FIP, WHIP. The only thing that they're the best at is striking batters out. So congratulations to them for being able to strike guys out. But do you want to know who the team that is worse than them? Open A's. There you go. Open A's. I mean – if you're the Shy Sox and you had aspirations of the playoffs and your rotation is only better than one other team and it's Oakland, you're not doing good. And I mean, the a question I have is did Tommy LaRusso just damage this team so much that they haven't been able to come back from last season? Um, because I really I'm like you, I, I don't know what is going on there. Like they have guys that have performed well. It wasn't too long ago, G Leo was looking like a perennial ace. And always going to be up there as one of the best pitchers in the majors. Not so much over the last couple of years. Cease had a great year last year, but he looks like he's kind of going back. I know there's talk from people about how he kind of had a little bit luck in his way and there would be some regression. It looks like it's hitting him hard, but I mean, Cease is still a good pitcher. Um, So yeah. And Lynn is obviously much better than what he's doing. I expect him to turn it around and, get those ugly numbers down and get them under control. But I mean, 
this is bad for the White Sox, and I I don't know where they go from here um, to get things better. Yeah, the the White Sox need to fix things up, and that that needs to happen quickly. Like I said, if they want to contend in the AL Central, but that is a wrap for today's. on 30 um but again guys we actually uh, we should have hoping to have a special guest come in on thursday not going to give away the name chris might not be there but we are hoping to have a guest at some point uh start of this week and uh, actually of course maybe thursday hopefully but hope you guys enjoyed this episode and of course check out this actually this was going to be the second episode going on youtube chris um, yes. That's exciting. Second yep. episode on YouTube. Obviously, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, share it, give a like, subscribe on YouTube, share it to friends, family, everything you got. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and peace out.